everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. All right, everyone. Today, I am here with Jen Adams, and we're going to talk about X. Welcome, Hello. Jen. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on, especially to talk about this movie. I'm so excited. Yes, yes. I'm so excited. So, Sheree and I, Sheree is not with us this week. She's taking a week off. But this, the theme of this month is we're looking at films made this year, because a lot of our this season, Sheree... And I spent a good portion of this time from like the beginning of our season all the way through Halloween stuck in the 70s, mm-hmm. which was great. And mm-hmm. I loved it. But now we're, we're trying to cover some of these films we've missed mm-hmm. in this year. So we've got X today. And we're going to start before we get into the film. We're going to talk a little bit and get to know Jen. This is her first time on the pod. Yeah. So number one, we always start here. I know it's a tough question. <laughs> So just bear with us. But number one, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh, my favorite scary movie. I have gone over and over and over this. <laughs> and I actually changed my list up quite a bit this year. I think finally admitting to myself that I really love some movies that, uh, but I think when I really think about the movie, I will want to watch over and over again that I love more than anything else, not necessarily the best, but just the one that just has my heart. I think it's Cabin in the Woods. I love it so much. It's such a fun one. We covered it that really a few is. years ago. It's so, it's so, and every time you watch it, you find new, like, little things and moments. But, oh my God, that's that movie. Oh, it's that movie. Mm-hmm. I love that movie too. It's, it's just it. endlessly rewatchable. And, you know, Bradley Whitford is, I just love him. So, yes. You know. So, are <laughs> horror comedies your favorite subgenre or do you have another one? Not really. I think my favorite subgenre would be. I don't want to say lady horror, but like I really love horror with like a really strong feminist streak in it, you know, mm-hmm. and I love mm-hmm. a good female killer. Mm-hmm. I actually don't like comedies at all unless they're horror comedies. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah you I know, get that. I get that. Dumb and Dumber is a, the rare one that I like. <laughs> and then the rest of them, like, <laughs> yeah, I need few. somebody to die. You know? Yeah, I'm very picky with my comedies as well. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a cheese ball. Everyone knows this. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I do have a soft spot for romantic comedies. But, like, mm-hmm. other than that, like, strict comedies, unless I don't get, I don't do, like, the stupid, like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Nope, like, I've never seen it. It's just not for me. Yeah. If, hey, if you love it, that's fantastic. I'm but... so happy. For, I'm, sad, I'm glad somebody. <laughs> does because they right, need their exactly. coins but like they do you know <laughs> but i'll stick with my horror comedies and my romantic comedies which is a very strange <laughs> combo but uh, here i am <laughs> oh there's some overlap in that you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> tell us what's your horror origin story were you an early convert like like me and Sheree, or were you a, a later convert i think both i was really like my first um memories with horror were stephen king and mm-hmm. seeing my copy, my dad's copy of it on the shelf when I remember when I was like two or three and I was like, what's that dinosaur claw? That's got to be a book about dinosaurs, which <laughs> it's not at all. And then finding a copy of Pet Cemetery and Children of the Corn at a slumber party and like begging everyone to watch it with me. So I got really into reading Stephen King, but I was not really allowed to watch a whole lot of scary movies. And so then I my second kind of entry into, I think, the film world of horror was with Scream. Like Mm. I was, I had just gotten my driver's license right after it came out. I remember going to the theater and seeing it and coming out and wanting to go right back in and watch it again. And it just like, 
unlocked this whole like world that I hadn't really experienced yet, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I just tore up the 90s horror like that's that might be my favorite time period. I don't know if you call 90s horror a genre, but, you know, it's a, it's a period. It's, it's it's honestly probably my favorite as well, even though it has its issues. It does it's have what its I grew issues. Up yeah. on. It's what it's, it's sentimental to me. Scream, the whole Scream franchise, mm -hmm. those terrible nightmare movies that came out the end of the franchise, <laughs> you know, uh -huh. like. Uh, urban legend. Oh my I god, I love summer. urban legend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> H2O is still my favorite Halloween movie. Like, it's, it's it's up there for me. It's not my my favorite is two. Oh yeah. Just be, and everyone disagrees with me, but I'm like uh, it, it's the phobia for me and the fact. Oh that she yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. Slightly, There's it's a good one, you know. Yeah, slightly over one for me, but H2O is in my top five. Yeah, we we you know Wes Craven is my fave. Um, Kevin Williamson gave mm -hmm. us so much '90s joy that mm -hmm. I just I love it so much. Yeah, me too. So take a minute and plug your podcast and the mm -hmm. other projects you've got going on for the listeners, so they can keep up with you. Well, I mentioned that I like uh, Lady Horror, which I feel like I'm generalizing when I say <laughs> that. Like, it, I talk about lots of different stuff, but I, I write a column for Dread Central called Matriarchy Rising, where we talk about feminism and horror and just lots of like motherhood issues. Like, mm -hmm. that's something that I really like to look at. I talked about aliens. I wrote about the Blair Witch Project. And recently, mm -hmm. it hasn't dropped yet, but I have one coming out about the new movie Resurrection which was kind of a, a little mind F for me, but I really <laughs> loved it. And I do a lot of other writing in various places. So if you want to read it, just follow me at Jim Ferratu on, on the socials and I'll post it. But I'm also on the Losers Club podcast talking about Stephen King and the Psychoanalysis podcast where we talk about horror movies and mental health. Hey, that's always good. Yeah. Um, so I bet with with Lady Horror, I bet you're <laughs> excited about the Friday the Thirteenth prequel series coming. I out. am. Yes, <laughs> I am also a sucker for Friday the Thirteenth. Like aside from Scream, that's my favorite of the, mm -hmm. the slasher franchises. Yeah, so I am super excited for that. Yeah, you and Sheree are both super excited to see more <laughs> Miss Miss Voorhees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. My favorite Jason is Mrs. Voorhees. Oh, one hundred percent. She she is the queen of queens. Like she I is know. it. Pamela. Kills them all. It rocks that sweater at the same time. <laughs> yes. Hey, she was running around the ca that cabins and going back and forth. And I mean, I, know, I couldn't do it. I'd be like, out of place. I'd be like out of breath after the second. But, totally. Hold on a minute. I need a minute. <laughs> Just stack a few more chairs in front of the window. We can give me a minute. <laughs> exactly. So again, go ahead and plug your socials so that people can follow you uh, on again. I am at Jen Ferratu with two N's on Twitter and Instagram right now. I don't know how long I'll be on it on Twitter, but sure. <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with that. But I'm on Instagram and I guess I'm yeah. going to have to get better at it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Elon going to fuck that up. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm just rolling yeah. my eyes daily. Uh, but, here we you know. are. <laughs> but there'll be a new Twitter and we'll all move to that and have a good old time. Yeah. Oh, I probably should plug the pod socials. You can find the Losers Club at the Losers Club Pod and Psychoanalysis Psycho A Pod also. Yes, check them out. Check them <laughs> out. Give those. them a follow and listen. <laughs> All right, so let's get into X. <laughs> Lots of things to discuss in this yes. movie. Jen, what's one of your first thoughts? Um. Okay, so I think going along the theme of Lady Har, like, 
I just fucking love a good female killer. Like I, I love Pearl. I think she's so fascinating. I love what this movie is doing and what it's saying about women and what it is saying about, you know, yes. getting older and appearance and sexuality. And I just love how, how such a strong female presence there is in this movie and love it. 100%. I, mm -hmm. so a little bit about myself and kind of my experience with this movie, it hit in a very special place time in my life mm -hmm. in the past you know few years i've been living or i had been living with my um grandmother who was mm -hmm. getting up in age and um she has recently passed oh, um, i'm sorry and so this movie hit at the peak of that at the peak mm -hmm. of that stuff so it really mm -hmm. and i think that's why i mean like i think i would love it either way but mm -hmm. that's why it's so special to me with all these themes of getting older specifically for women Mm -hmm. And you know, I just remember she would always tell me, and she'd be like, Trent, getting old sucks. And I was <laughs> like, this movie makes it, <laughs> it really paints that picture of getting does. old fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. I know. And I did not realize the first time I watched it that that was Mia Goth playing that character. I didn't either mm -hmm. until someone pointed it out to me. And I was like, oh my God, that makes everything even more like cool and so many cool little things that they did with those two characters 100 i know i love it just hearing her say like i'm nothing like you like because when you're young you think you're never gonna get old and you see other older people like with me it's hearing like well your metabolism's gonna slow down and i was like never it'll never happen to me and here we are <laughs> exactly and here we are yeah yeah i remember um when i was teaching i would get up off, off the floor every day because i would sit with on the floor with my kids and mm -hmm. I like hurt my knee once and I went to the doctor and I was like, something had to have happened. I had to have an injury. And they're like, no, it's just from getting up and down off the floor all the time. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get old. It was like that moment that it that, hit yeah. me. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm really going to die someday. <laughs> and I just love how this movie reckons with that. And I think that they vilify Pearl because she's obviously the killer. Like she's the villain oh, of the story. Yeah, she's the antagonist 100%. Right. But like you kind of understand, you know, like you get where she's coming from, you know, yeah. not to excuse anything she does. But. Right, right. And I think that, you know, especially as people get older and their minds start to kind of unwind a little bit, it's what it kind of feels like or what it feels like to the outside, to an observer like myself. Because mm -hmm. um, like my grandmother never got like to the dementia point. Mm -hmm. But she was definitely getting like she would come in on my days off and expect me to go to work, and I'd be like, mm. my, "I don't, I want to go back to bed." Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're waking me up at seven, and I could sleep. Oh gosh! Mm. <laughs> and so, and, you know, seeing that, and so I would love to talk to these filmmakers and see how much of that do they think is in Pearl? Like, how cognitive is she? Mm -hmm. I mean, she's clearly in control of herself. Like, I don't want to go that far, right? Um, right. But how much of this is she living because of Pearl and Maxine being the same actress? Mm -hmm. How much is she living vicarious through Maxine and having that line blur? Mm -hmm. And how much that kind of fucks up her psyche? Right. And it's it's so interesting because I think this conversation would be very different if if it came before Pearl, you know, mm -hmm. like it's hard for me to divorce what I've seen in that movie, which I also loved from taking it out of the equation. So if I'm just talking about X, I think like there would be an element. I don't know if I would necessarily call it dementia or if she doesn't quite realize what she's doing, but I think she's just kind of at a like no fucks left to give point mm -hmm. in her life, you know, and she's like, 
I don't care. You know, I'm going to die soon anyways. I might as well get what I want or do what I want or take out my rage in a way that maybe I haven't been able to in the past. Of course, I think we see with Pearl that this has always been in her. She's always been a little, a little bit uh, killery, you know. Right, right. But I think it's also it comes from this place of rage at the limitations she's been that have been like foisted upon her just because she's a woman in this world, you know? And I think mm -hmm. when I look at her rage at Maxine and especially, um, um, oh gosh, Brittany Snow, whose character's mm -hmm. name, I can't remember. Cause she's just always Brittany Snow to me. Uh, yeah. Right. She's, I love her to death. I, uh, I have IMD pulled up here. Let's see. Uh, oh, good. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to pull it up. Oh, no, you're good. Bobby Lynn is her name. Bobby Lynn. Oh, I love that. That's such a good Southern name. Um, so many Bobby great Southern Lynn. names in this. I Lorraine, know. Bobby Lynn. Uh, Bobby Lynn. <laughs> love it. Yeah. As a, a my former middle name was Lynn, so Ophelia's sister. There you go. But, like, <laughs> just that offhanded comment, like, I don't like blondes, makes so much more sense now that After we've seen you see Pearl. Pearl, right? And yes. I was like, oh, I love that. But I think it doesn't, like, she's because she's calling them, like, whores, and she's calling mm -hmm. them, like, like essentially judging them for the sex they're having. And I think, I don't think she's really mad at them or she's, she she's just mad it. she can't do it. She's exactly. kind of jealous, right? Right. Which I think is so much more interesting than mm -hmm. just this prudish woman who just wants everybody to wear long nightgowns, you know? Right. Cause there is that scene where she's like watching Maxine in the scene with, um, with what's uh, Kid Cuddy's Jackson. Uh -huh. with, with Jackson having sex in the, in the barn and she's watching them. She's not, and the and the she's not necessarily disgusted by it. She's interested mm -hmm. in it, and she envisions herself in the place of Maxine, which is mm -hmm. so interesting. The, the the parallel lives between Pearl and Maxine. Even I don't want to give away spoilers to anyone for Pearl, mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. if you haven't seen it at this point, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, we'll <laughs> see it. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, but like they're very different ways that we treat women, but in some ways it's the exact same thing. Right, exactly. And I love like looking at kind of the trajectory because this is in 1979, which is almost the 80s. Hey, that's mm -hmm. how math works. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a stupid thing to say. So, and bit, but then looking at um, who she would have been when she was younger. And again, I'm trying to talk about X, but it's like just looking at how much further women have come, how much is technically allowed for us but how much shame we still get for it mm -hmm. you know and how much judgment we still get like church mouse she's she's intrigued but she also knows like this, this is smut everybody's gonna judge me for it you know and it's mm -hmm. not that she doesn't want to be part of it it's that she's been raised to think it's bad you know which mm -hmm. i think is so interesting and i love when bobby lynn is like no we just like to fuck you know it's right. fun <laughs> you don't have to love everyone you fuck or whatever exactly yeah, yeah. And I and I love that that exploration for Church Mouth or uh, Church Mouse or Lorraine, <laughs> Lorraine played by the lovely her. Jenna Ortega. Ooh, yes. And that and I love that even the characters in this film that could like in any other horror, especially a slasher. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. I love slashers. It's no shade of slashers. Same, same. But mm -hmm. like would be stock characters, right? Mm -hmm. They would be like, I'm a jock, or I'm a pretty girl, or I'm a this. Mm -hmm. In this movie, they all have complexity, and they're all so interesting. Like, mm -hmm. Jackson, with his stories of being a, a veteran in the, in the Vietnam War, and 
Um, Bobby Lynn, the scene where Britney Bobby Lynn sings oh Landslide, mm-hmm. I cried the first time I watched it. I did too. I love that song. I love it so much that I didn't even really put it together that that song is about getting older until I watched it a couple more times. But because mm-hmm. it's just such a sweet moment for these characters. And that's really the turning point for everything too. So mm-hmm. it's like we get to say goodbye to now that I've watched it a couple of times. It's just mm-hmm. I love it. And she, Britney yeah. Snow, I mean, just can do no wrong, you know. Oh, one hundred percent. And and the fact that it's cut, but it's like split screened with Pearl mm-hmm. sitting at her makeup table and looking at these pictures of her past, mm-hmm. and like, and a, and now I love this movie even more knowing Pearl, Same. seeing mm-hmm. her like dancing after she kills RJ, mm-hmm. like I. I just I love that. and knowing that he that he wrote Pearl while in a COVID lockdown. Oh while wow. before filming X. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. He wrote wow. Pearl in a COVID lockdown while either before or during the the filming of X. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the filming of X, he asked Mia Goth if she would just stick around mm-hmm. and film Pearl because they uh-huh. already had everything set up. And so she's like, not? sure, maybe I'll give the best performance of the year, you know, just right. Maybe around, I deserve you know? an Oscar for two films in 2022. Exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So I just find that so interesting. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that scene, Brittany Snow's voice in general is just so clear. And, and it's not one of my favorite singing voices of all time, but it's so sweet and clear. Mm-hmm. And it gives it gives Bobby Lynn this other layer of complexity. She's not uh-huh. just this sexual nymphomaniac girl that loves sex, you know, which in any other slasher, let's be real, that's what she would be. Totally. And mm-hmm. she'd be the first one killed off. And in this mm-hmm. one, she's like one of the last ones. She is. I know. And I really thought she was going to make it too. I was so sad. <laughs> well, and that's another thing that I love about this too. And again, no shade to slashers, but I think in a lot of the lesser slashers, or if this were a lesser slasher, we would see them fight within each other. And I love that the group gets along so well. Like another movie would have Bobby Lynn and Maxine fighting with each other the whole Mm -hmm. time. And they would be jealous and they would be rivals. And we never get any of that. Like I'm really struck by the scene where they're helping Lorraine get ready for her sex scene. And, and uh, Kid Cutter Jackson is just in the corner doing push-ups, which kind of cracks me up. But, <laughs> but they're just there, like, doing her makeup, helping her. Like, we don't even hear what they're saying, but it's just this really sweet moment of, like, of support for each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, we don't hear, oh, gosh, Wayne, who I also love, Dreamer in the Ring, too. It was so nice to see him pop up again. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I feel like I'm all over the place. Uh, but doing? I love that like he doesn't like demean any of the women. Like he treats everybody with respect. There's really, aside from the fact that they're making porn, there's not really a whole lot of objectification, or at mm-hmm. least like the women feel like they're in control of it, you know, and it's just such a like positive vibe with these group of friends, you know? Yeah, I 100% agree. And I love because like you said, in a lesser fit, in a lesser slasher. Lorraine and Bobby Lynn would be fighting over Wayne. Mm-hmm. Like they would like Lorraine would be with, or Maxine would be with Wayne, but mm-hmm. then Bobby Lynn would want to be with Wayne, but they she couldn't be with you know, mm-hmm. and it would just be silly. But in this, yeah, like the first person that Maxine runs to after she wakes up and Pearl's in her bed, <laughs> which is <laughs> terrifying. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> um, is it, to Bobby Lynn like she runs mm-hmm. into Bobby Lynn's room 
to get her to help. Or Bobby Lynn. No, I'm sorry. Bobby Lynn runs into Maxine's room to mm-hmm. help her. Right. Like, there is no, I love that there is such a camaraderie, like you said. And the mm-hmm. only time I will say that there was a little bit of conflict, but I think it was needed. I think it had mm-hmm. to be there to put a little more complexity onto this character. But like RJ, after Lorraine decides that she wants to be in the in the film, he's mm-hmm. he's like trying to control her sexuality. And I was like, that is peak toxic masculinity. Yes. And then he's the first one who dies. <laughs> like, exactly. That, that tracks. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say he deserved it, but you know, <laughs> in the film. And what I love about that, because you're right, it does add this level of complexity to, to his motivations because he's holding the camera. Like he's in char- essentially in charge of directing this whole thing. He's completely on board with it, but not when it's his woman, you know? That's when it it crosses the line for him because Lorraine is his and she's a nice girl and she, and it just um, like, it kind of shows. And I think a lot of us are guilty of this. It's like, we think that we are really open-minded and we're really accepting. And then something hits close to home and we have to really examine how open-minded we actually are, you know? And I think you see him, you know, I'd like to think if he made it through the night, he would come back and like be cooler about it. You know, I would hope so. And I think, you know, I, I even had something similar with my own life when, you know, when I first came out of the closet, my mother, who in high school had tons of gay friends and everybody, mm-hmm. she was like, no, but you're my son. And I was like, but mm-hmm. mom. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it hits differently when it's someone that you that's close to you. But what I loved about what I loved about it, because I think if this had been come at coming at a very I would still wouldn't say a positive way, but a more gray area perspective would be, you know, RJ was like, Hey, I'm not, I'm uncomfortable with you doing this as opposed Mm -hmm. to his words are you can't. Yes, exactly. You're not, you can't. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you don't control her. Like she can can and she will. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like, honestly, like I can understand that. I would like, I don't know how I would feel if my husband said he wanted to, sleep with like sleep with someone while I held the camera. Like, I think I might have a problem and it would definitely be a conversation we would need to have. But yeah, you're exactly right. He doesn't try to have that conversation with her. He just says, no. Well, he says that and takes a shower and runs away and Mm -hmm. tries to leave her. Mm -hmm. And then Pearl says, "Uh, uh, uh." (laughs) and it's really just, I mean, about his own inadequacies, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not really about anything she does. I think what I see in that scene where he's crying in the shower, I mean, we don't ever see Kid Cuddy's full physique, but I think we hear enough about it to we know. We see a shadow of we some know. stuff. And I mean, I think we can make a, a educated <laughs> guess. Um, but I don't I know who's with Kid Cuddy, but you're a lucky woman. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Oh, and the moment where she's like, man, a big dick. And everybody starts laughing. Love that moment. Um, but I think when he's crying in the shower, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like, there's this version of masculinity that he thinks he's supposed to be that can please Lorraine. And he knows he's never going to be that. Mm-hmm. And that's how the patriarchy hurts men too. Oh, 100%. There, there's, there's a level of insecurity that we don't mm-hmm. allow men to have. Therefore we don't allow them to handle it or deal uh-huh. with it. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was a, a nice scene of, of, of that being shown. Cause mm-hmm. you know, Wayne and Jackson are very comfortable. I mean, mm-hmm. Wayne's walking around in his whitey tighties outside <laughs> in the bar. I'm like, don't put, at least put some shoes on. Oh, Damn. I know. <laughs> Ooh, man, you're going to step on the nail. <laughs> oh, that still hurts. Oh, it hurts. I know. me. <laughs> I know. It just, 
Well, it reminds me of that scene in A Quiet Place, too, where it's just, mm -hmm. and then I love his death, too. It's so brutal and visceral. It's like the nail is the foreshadowing, and then the pitchfork right in the face. Right. It's like, oh, you thought that nail was bad. <laughs> right, and another really, and I didn't get this until I, I read the IMDb page, and then as I was watching the film this last time, and he tells Jackson, when people watch this film, their eyes are going to pop out. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Oh my gosh, I love that. It's just one of those little dovetails. You know, mm -hmm. it's like when when you watch Pearl, and I'm not going to spoil, but there's a moment where she just steps on an X, and it's like those little, like mm -hmm. it's not quite the same as an Easter egg. It's like a deeper meaning. Because, I mean, another way to read that is that their eyes did pop out and they became enraged and killed them, you know? That, so, right, yeah. Uh, Okay, I have some advice for everyone listening. <laughs> if an old white man tries to convince you to go down into his cellar, it's not going to end well. Don't do no, it. No, it, it <laughs> go won't. out the yeah. house. <laughs> yep, I would say the same thing for old white women too, because you well, don't know what they're canning down there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we found out what they were canning. So oh that's another gosh. interesting thing that they don't ever really go into too much detail on mm -hmm. is the man that they've got tied up down there. Yeah, who I assume is dead at this point. Like yeah, he looks he's, pretty. Yeah. I, I kind of hope he's dead for his sake. Uh, yeah, right. and I think that's so interesting. Like the way I read it is. Howard can't perform at least as frequently as Pearl wants it because he's going to have a heart attack. And so they have to grab this man. I guess he's like a hitchhiker or something, which also advice don't ever hitchhike ever. Um, this was the seventies though, which everyone, their mom was hitchhiking, getting totally. serial killered everywhere. <laughs> serial know. killers were wild. The seventies, they were like, we're here. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like you got your line of glasses, you know? Um, but yeah, oh gosh, I got so sidetracked. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, I imagine that this is just like a little boy toy for Pearl to have down in her basement, which if she didn't kill him and if it were consensual, I would be really into, <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, you get yours. But right. you know, obviously it's not okay to kill people or right. to rape them. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the consensual disclaimer. part of it, when he's tied up and like in chains, I don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I feel like that's the, the the implication is that he has become like a stand-in for Howard because he, Howard can't fuck her anymore, right? Right. Yeah. But yeah, so don't ever let white old people convince you to go into cellars because no, it's just, you're it's not, not coming back out. <laughs> At least if you do, your hands will be fucked up. Oh God. Oh yeah. I want to. I do want to talk about Howard's death because. I just love it. I think it's so, it's funny, but it's also like, it so ties into the themes, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, they are not these like supernatural killers. They're not no. like, they don't get super strength. Like they are both killed by the fact of trying to kill other people, which I think is just hilarious and awesome. And, you know, just the fact that he gets scared to death and that's mm -hmm. what does him in, you know? Right. Oh, and then <laughs> also just kind of funny when, Pearl tries to shoot Maxine and just, mm -hmm. just I mean, not, not just knocks her down, knocks that woman out the house, like six feet. Oh, feet. I know. Oh, you know she broke her hip. Oh, you know, yeah, because he alludes to that earlier, being like, I don't want, she might have fallen and break, broken her hip. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's an interesting kind of going back to like what we were talking about, about how much of this might be Pearl's like break or maybe she's airing into the dementia territory. Like you'd think that she might have her killing down a little bit better if this were something that they were doing a lot more frequently, you know? Right. 
Although maybe they're just used to one person spending the night and it's like two on one, even though they're old, you know, they're not quite counting on five people, one of them being a Marine, you know? Right. That is true. Because he says, I didn't know you were bringing all these people with you. I thought it was just going to be you. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I just thought about that. Well, see, that's, this wasn't Airbnb days. Like if you like, they're not, there's not going to be a record. I bet they're just like bringing people, luring people in with this cabin and then, you know, fuck killing them. (laughs) <laughs> which I, I just for the record i feel guilty that is not okay i'm not saying it's okay for pearl to do it <laughs> i just love her dedication to still getting down you know you know hey get it <laughs> but i also loved this film has a ton of filmmaking easter eggs from other from previous slashers and mm-hmm. i just i love that like for one the partway submerged car like mm-hmm. they fired in psycho and then the scene where, and I don't know if you caught this or not, it, it really just hit me on this last rewatch. The scene where Pearl's about to jump into bed with Maxine, and you see through her perspective, which i.e. Halloween, mm-hmm. but then there's this weird sound effect they keep using, which reminds me a lot of that the Friday, but it's like, oh. As she's like going through the house and like finding. So there's just so many little like bits and pieces of Mm -hmm. other slashers and horror films that I think anytime a movie made today plays homage to films made in previously that inspired the filmmaker or something is that that are done well. Like Mm -hmm. there's sometimes it's like that's too that's too obvious. Like what do you think? Yeah. But like when it's done subtly and like specifically i think it can be really really cool i completely agree and i love slashers they're one of my favorite subgenres. and what i like about them is the formula like that's part mm-hmm. of what i find so comforting but at the same time like unless you're gonna like knock it out of the park that formula can get real old after mm-hmm. a while you know and you have to be doing something interesting with it and i think x is doing that really well like i can't think of another slasher that i've seen recently that I think is this inventive or this different or really doing something else with the format and trying to say something larger than surviving a killer. You know what I mean? Not that there's anything wrong with that because I love my final girls, but like, I love that there's a, that Ty West is really, I think he's trying to say something with this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I, yeah, I especially can't think of anything that is a strict because this is a very strict slasher like Mm -hmm. there is not a lot of like comedy or you know psychological stuff it's very strictly a slasher Mm -hmm. that isn't a part because i would argue that the scream 2022 kind of does the same the Mm -hmm. same thing where kind of up and all the screen movies kind of right yeah up in the the formula to kind of fuck with you a little bit and the only other one i would say recently that i've seen that does this but it's not a strict slasher is freaky Oh, yeah. The mm-hmm. slasher horror comedy that kind of plays with, you know, the body switching and all that stuff. So, yeah, you know, but I think this is the true new idea, new slasher that is a strict slasher that kind of is upending and playing with that, with the, you know, the because, oh, in, in any other slasher, in any of the lesser slasher, you know, in one of those scenes where they're fucking, one of them would have died. Like, exactly. One of them would have been killed while fucking. Right. And I love, you know, it's kind of that unspoken rule that like 
punishment for sex is death and slashers, you know, and yeah. I love that. The this, Friday that's, the 13th rule. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love that that's kind of the conceit of this movie is that, that it's really kind of putting that in the forefront in a way right. that doesn't shame its characters and saying, I mean, I don't think any slashers are really saying that should be a punishment like right. that sex death should yeah. be a punishment for sex but this one really feels like it's confronting that you know and saying no women can do whatever they want like right we at all the end can. of the day they've all had sex exactly mm-hmm. and at the end you have lorraine and maxine you have maxine mm-hmm. who was the burlesque dancer in the beginning and who is the star essentially well maybe bobby lynn i don't know mm. it could be either one of those in the star of the film mm-hmm. with this new you know before tonight yeah. was Goody Two Shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a debutante now. Yeah, yeah and, but Lorraine's not the final girl, which in any other slasher, I think Lorraine probably would be that final girl. Right, right. And you know, I was going to say, I think the only thing this movie doesn't have is a killer in a mask. But if we look at Mia Goth, like the, the, her age is really mm-hmm. the mask, you know, and like that white hair when she sits up in bed with Mia Goth and that white hair is so striking. It's mm-hmm. so, so oh. cool, you know. Oh. oh. Oh, I know it's so good. (laughs) They also did a really interesting thing with this film with how to create jump scares. Mm -hmm. There's not a ton of like true old school popping up out of cat out of the corners or whatever jump scares. Mm -hmm. It does a lot of them with cuts. The one that that really jumped out to me on this rewatch was when uh, Lorraine's going down into the basement and she pulls open or does she doesn't pull open she like uh turns on the light a little mm-hmm. like pulley light mm-hmm. and as soon as soon as she does that it switches to wayne getting a thing shoved through his eyes and i was mm-hmm. like oh god like that was such a good jump scare that's not a typical jump scare right right because it's di- it's different scenes you know and i think we kind of do the same thing when we come back to the basement and then we see that body in the back you know because mm-hmm. like you know when a traditional jump scare i think would be building tension and building tension with wayne walking up to this gate and putting his eye to it and then we forget about it because if that was all the scene was we would know oh something's coming through that gate he's about right. to die but we forget oh, about it because we're like what's in the basement what's in the basement and then when right. wayne dies we forget about what's in the basement you know right yeah it, and, it, it plays with our attention really well. Mm-hmm. I think another really fun, I don't know if this is technically a jump scare, but Lorraine's death when she walks out and just gets blown just, away mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I don't love it because I like that character a lot, but it's just so unexpected and brutal. And mm-hmm. I just love how people are flying around with these shotgun blasts. Too, you know? <laughs> but then they live out in the middle of nowhere because like exactly. in the city, someone would be like, what the fuck? I'm trying um, to sleep. Exactly. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad that both X and Scream 2022 have, I believe, and I'm curious how you feel, have has entered Jenna Ortega into the, the, the pantheon of Scream Queens. Like, mm-hmm. she is the newest, truest Scream Queen. I mean, being in two of the biggest horror films of the year... Mm-hmm. And the 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 protagonist, final girl, one of the final girls in one of them, and the last girl standing that's going to die, you know, mm-hmm. in the in the other one, I I love her, and I think it's I'm I'm excited to see and to see a diversification of 
our pantheon of scream queens. Because I agree. Mm-hmm. For so long, it's been we all you know white white women, yeah, white women, and now we've got a brown girl up there, and you know, hopefully mm-hmm. there's more. And, and there's other there there. If you go past like the the um, usual franchises like the scream mm-hmm. the halloweens that there are some more diversity once you get out into like um some of those one-offs or whatever but like jenna ortega is up there now oh yeah that that scream when she sees the body in the cellar like there's a reason that's on so much of the marketing for this because it's it doesn't feel like your typical scream that you've heard a billion times like it feels right. genuine you know well, and from the from the advertise from the previews, I expected Jenna to be the protagonist. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're really following her story just as much as we're following Mia's, and right. with that late kind of her wanting to be in the film, I think they really position her as maybe a Sydney or somebody who's mm-hmm. kind of coming into the fray and like she's discovering her sexuality and also her strength. And you know, mm-hmm. it just it's bad luck that she doesn't. You know, like she breaks out of the basement, she is rude to Mia Goth for a minute, which I get she's in a stressful situation. But. Right. She is, she is dealing with some stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So all along, but yeah, I mean, she's really like, I think it's unexpected when she dies because you really think she's going to make it, you know? Yeah. Well, and if she, you know, if she had taken just two seconds and listened to Mia Goth or yep. to, I mean, Maxine, she might, they might, we might've had another double final girl situation, which I know. I'm always a fan of. Oh gosh, could you imagine if it were the the three of them, Bobby, Lynn, Lorraine, and Maxine, and they were the ones that that, that I would have made it out? That. Oh my god. It's like there's a scene in the boys where the ladies are just beating the shit out of this female villain. <laughs> <laughs> it's just awesome. We could have had that. Although I'm happy with what we got. You know? Yeah. Like, like I think yes. that while I would have loved that because of my my heart for the for the ladies, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which is weird because I'm a gay man. Anyway. <laughs> Um, I, I also loved because it, it ups the the tension. The mm-hmm. the stakes are higher when there's like, oh shit, people are people can die. These girls can die. Like, exactly. Nobody's char- safe. I, yeah, because mm-hmm. I love all the characters. Let me be, let me be real. But like, my favorite characters are Maxine, Bobby Lynn, and Lorraine. Like, right. Mm-hmm. And so even my favorite characters can die too. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think the movie wants a wants them to be our favorite characters. You know, I think. Wayne and Jackson are very interesting, but just the amount of development that goes into the ladies, I just love. But it also is a diverse, like I think another slasher or a slasher in the 80s would make Jackson the first one to die. You know, oh yeah, it would have been Jackson and Bobby Lynn, and they would have been fucking and they would have died. Yeah. And I love, I love Wayne. I just love everybody in this movie. Like even Howard, even though he's mm-hmm. gross and I don't like him, like <laughs> he, he's still fascinating. You know. Well, and I, I think what's so fascinating about Howard is his his dedication to Pearl. Like mm-hmm. exactly, he is there for Pearl. Which, if you've seen Pearl the movie, mm-hmm. that's that's very a, a journey. And I'm curious yes. about Howard's journey from the end of Pearl to the beginning of it. Oh, I know. I just would love because I thought um, I don't want to spoil spoil Pearl, but the comment that uh, somebody was blonde also reminded me that somebody is a sister in that movie, and I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it, it, Howard is a very interesting character because mm-hmm. I think if Howard didn't have his heart issues, he probably would be having sex with Pearl. You know, right. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes me wonder if 
Pearl would feel the need to kill, you know? I mean, I think she still would be jealous of Maxine and Bobby Lynn and Lorraine's beauty and youth. But I mean, if she's satisfied, like the scene where um, Howard and and oh gosh, Howard and Pearl are just sitting and he's like, no, I think you're beautiful. You're special. You're still the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Like, I love that scene. It's really sweet. And it makes you forget that they've just killed a bunch of people, you know? <laughs> right. and, and I think that like, yeah, if you if you look at X before we before we were able to complicate Pearl's character even further with Pearl, yeah, I think that I, I you don't know now mm -hmm. after we've seen Pearl, it does add even, and that's what I love about the prequel. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't I feel like it's I hard to talk about this movie without <laughs> talking about Pearl. It but is yeah. like it it takes her character and makes her even more complex than what she was to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so, which is why I'm really excited to see the third installment, Maxine, yep. mm -hmm. which should be coming out next year. And I'm really excited. And that, then I want to sit down and I want to watch all three back to back and mm -hmm. just see this kind of evolution. And I'm, I'm super excited about that. Absolutely. I love it. And I think, Kind of along those lines, one of my favorite moments in the movie is about the ladies, but it's not from the ladies. And it's when um, RJ is talking to Wayne outside and he's mad that Lorraine wants to be in the porn. And he's like, mm -hmm. no, she's a nice girl. And he says, ain't none of them nice girls. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yes, I love that because well, it's but, true. You know, yeah, that's such a... That's, uh, it's the same bullshit line as like nice guys finish last. Exactly. Because, like mm -hmm. everyone can finish last. And no mm -hmm. one is truly a nice boy, girl, person, whatever. We're all complex human beings with needs and wants. And sometimes we fuck up and sometimes we do the right thing. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's different things with everyone. And so, yeah, the fact that, oh, she's a nice, not, no one is nice. Exactly. Like Bobby Lynn is super nice. Like if you see her on the dock, like she's really trying to help Pearl get back in the house. Like she's really kind to everybody right. there. Like it's not nice is just a way of saying does what we want her to do, like fits mm -hmm. into the box that we've assigned for women. And that's what nice girls are. And the bad girls or the dirty girls are the ones who don't. And I love that we see Bobby Lynn and Maxine just saying like, that you know right. and then we see a man say it too you right know? we see a man not only say it but though and says it in a just a matter of fact like right exactly he's not like judging the women he's mm -hmm. just like they're not nice right and he doesn't follow it with they're all dirty or they're all bad because that's not what he's saying he's right. just saying this idea you have about what Lorraine is supposed to be or who she's supposed to be is not real. It's a right. constructed ideal it's that you've created. It's the patriarchy. It's the patriarchy. Like forced this upon men and women and people uh -huh. in general, you know, including non-binary folks from, yeah. from the get-go, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so, and it's so toxic and it's been toxic from the beginning. You just didn't have, I don't think you had enough people. Well, I don't want to say that. I, th I don't think the people who were pushing against it had the had the technology and the means that we have today, mm -hmm. like the internet, to say, "Hey, this is you don't have to live this way." Exactly. Well, and okay, so if we look at Pearl, 
and we look at Maxine, like, and again, and I don't want to spoil that movie, but Pearl didn't have anybody in her life saying you could be a sex symbol. She mm-hmm. didn't have anybody saying like, it's okay. And so I think she's had this lifetime of rage of wanting to be this thing and everybody tell, and not ever hearing that it's okay for her. Whereas we see Maxine start the movie and she just looks at herself in the face and she's like, you're a motherfucking sex symbol. And like, if Pearl had had that, I wonder if she would ever kill anybody, you know? Yeah. 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 And, you know, the one thing I think someone could look at this movie and say, why did that need to be there, is Maxine's drug. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I I, didn't take that as necessarily a negative thing with the film. It's just the 70s. It's 79. Right. It's like, 70s porn, too, you know? Right. What? Mm. What? Where? Who wasn't doing that in the 70s? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, especially those, those in the porn industry burlesque dancing industry sex work in general let's say mm-hmm. it was just you know rampant in the 70s and 80s and mm-hmm. i don't think we really got a big well until nancy fucking reagan but we don't mm-hmm. even that's a whole <laughs> other rant to go down yep. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but so it didn't bother me is what i'm trying to say and like, right and you could tell it was just like a way for her to deal with stress like the minute she wakes up maxine or pearls in her bed she's like Oh, I need a bottle. She's like, I need something. <laughs> oh, she did she? I didn't notice. Yeah, that. she like snorts some at right because when Bobby Lynn's walking in, she's that's what she's doing. Mm, hey, I mean, look. <laughs> if I wake, if I woke up with an <laughs> old lady in my bed, I'm all bets are off, you know. And if it's if it's on the table already cut up, like, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> like a little line pointing straight to it. Um, <laughs> Here it is, a line. Exactly. This, yeah. Um, And it's interesting, like I had really forgotten about that, you know, because I just don't think it is presented as a character flaw in the way I think another movie would have done it. Like, I'm trying to remember the first time I watched this movie because it's like one of the very first scenes, you know, but like that scene in the very last, the very first scene in that scene where she wakes up. Yeah. Yeah. And another movie would have Bobby Lynn laying or yelling like "You're high, or you're fucked up," or somebody giving yeah. her shit about it. But snark some art crack or whatever. Exactly, yeah. But I really think it's more just to like set us in the time period than it is yeah. to make any statement about. Well, and I'm curious with this third installment if they will go mm. more into what that looks like. Yeah, you know, maybe there is more drug use and more from this trauma. That this oh yeah, dealt with, I mean, know? yeah, and. I mean, I don't ever want to promote drug use or anything like that. Yeah. But I mean, this this is an extreme trauma that she has been through. And, right. you know, I think it would be realistic to think she might use some negative coping methods, you know, especially if especially that's when she's already introduced to it. Right. Exactly. It's already a part of her life. So it's just right. an easy way mm-hmm. to overdo it, you know. Yeah. Or just forget, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm dying to see and that. It, and it's a way to complicate Maxine even more. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It makes her feel like a real person, you know? Yeah. And, and then she's Bobby the only Lynn's, person that does it. Right. Bobby Lynn's not doing it. Exactly. And Bobby Lynn's also doing the porn, you mm-hmm. know? Exactly. It's just like these are people and they have their own personalities and their own lives. But it's not like she's not the girl who does the coke and Bobby Lynn's not the girl who sings or the girl who, you know, it's right. like they're, they feel real. They, they each have what, what society or what the patriarchy would call good attributes and bad attributes mm-hmm. are put onto every person, not, mm-hmm. not just every woman, but every person in this film. Yeah. And I think that's why I love this film so much is that I it's do. just, everything is so complicated mm-hmm. that you can't walk. Like if you walk away from this film and you say, 
so-and-so is the good guy. Mm-hmm. Then I don't really know that you got the film. Exactly, because ain't none of them good guys. You and, know? And, right, exactly. Right. Nobody's good. And mm-hmm. you know, and I think it goes back to one of the things I found really interesting when I was researching this for the for the episode is the evolution, and I don't know if, if you're aware of this, I wasn't until I read this, but the evolution of the X rating. No. So what that used to be, because they don't use it anymore. The mm. MPAA does, does not. They only use it from 1968 to 1990. Interesting. And what it would be, so. what it would be, was a, a way to dictate films that were not sent to the MPAA for ratings. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, for here's a list of some movies that had the X rating that were not pornographic: A Clockwork Orange. Mm. Yeah. That's the only one that I know. <laughs> Fritz the Cat. <laughs> Last Tango in Paris, mm. Midnight Cowboy. I've heard of that. I've never seen it though. Uh, Sweet Sweatback's Badass Song. I don't know that oh. one. No. <laughs> this is all on IMDb. Y'all. Uh. But, um, and then in the 70s, the porn industry started to take advantage of this X rating so they could put their films in theaters. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, in the 70s and 80s, you had the the theaters, you know. Yeah, like Deep Throat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The play, you had porn playing in the theaters, which is. Me born in 1989, it's like, what? <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, I know. Like you watch The Howling, and you're like, what is this? Yeah, right, you exactly. Know? Right, and right. so in and so in the NPAA couldn't control the X-rated films, mm. so they got rid of the X rating and put in NC-17 instead, wow. so that theaters could then. Um, censor films uh-huh. that they didn't that the MPAA deemed as you know not uh appropriate not and NC17 is trademarked by the MPAA so they you couldn't it couldn't be self applied you had to send it to them to get uh, that rating that's fascinating and it all just goes back to control you know it's like Oh, that's interesting. Which is another it, theme of this film, you know, it really is. Why, why it's so interesting. That's the title of the film is mm-hmm. X. Right, right. And it's like, I think about, well, I think about a lot of things. Like when you create communities that are outside the norm by putting restrictions on the general community, because by making that X rating, you've not only limited all of our films, but you've created this outside little community with people like Wayne and Jackson and Maxine and Bobby Lynn who, and RJ too, like he really wants to be part of this world, you know? And he's kind of, I feel like he's trying to kind of bridge that gap, but like you're creating this system where they're like, well, if you don't like what I'm doing, if this is too much for you, then fuck you. This is a community that will accept me, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think they find that. And that's what feels so great about this movie, you know? Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, too, is when I look at Lorraine's sex scene, which is, I'm not sure how old Jen Ortega is, so, or how old she was at the time of filming. Right, So it could have been partly because of that, but I love that, like, we never see anything, you know, with her. She, Mm -hmm. and it's still sexy, you know, and I like that kind of representation that it doesn't have to be, like, boobs in your face, or it doesn't have to be, like, burlesque can be lots of different things. Oh, 100%. On the opposite side of that, I love the scene where Bobby Lynch just wiping her back off, you know, and how frank this movie is about mm-hmm. like what sex is, you know. Right. Just, mm-hmm. It's really yeah. refreshing, you know. 
Wow, Jenna Ortega was born on September 27th, 2002. Oh, no. So she was like, <laughs> right? I was like, okay, I'm standing someone that's like 20 years younger than me. Anyway, oh, not no. that much. But, <laughs> but uh, so she was probably like 18, 19 mm. when she was filming this because she's was 20 at the time of mm. release. So, and I mean, it makes sense to, I mean, you also, that would be illegal, but you know, I, I like that it is a different kind of sex scene and just also kind of to put out into the world that like some people find that more attractive or some people would find that more sexy than just like really like explicit gratuitous sex. And not that there's anything wrong with that either. Like we see just such a variety. We also see a sex scene with old people, which I think I'm trying to think of another movie where I've seen that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't watch a whole lot of porn, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. sure, there's the a whole subgenre, I'm sure right? It's out there, <laughs> right? But it just, and like, if they weren't, if they had, we hadn't seen them kill a bunch of people, like, that would be a really sweet scene, you know, mm-hmm. like, they're, they're still getting it. Like, I remember at one point, my husband said to me, like, you know, we're only gonna get older and let's just keep enjoying ourselves, you know. There and you sweet that is very sweet i yeah and i think there's just so many layers of this film that is Mm -hmm. so interesting and still scary like that that's not to say this film isn't scary this film is terrifying it is yeah oh yeah i was watching it with Corey last night and he missed the first half of it and he came in and he's like i don't like this movie I was like, you just need to watch the first half. I think yeah. you'll like it. Yeah, you're not getting any of the setup or any of the characterization right. or anything. You don't care about anybody at that point. Exactly. Well, and it's such a, a fun, not fun, I don't know if that's the word, but there's like such a clear like delineation between this extremely sexual movie and then this extremely violent movie, you know, mm-hmm. and it almost feels like two different pieces of one half, you know? Like, because right. there are a lot of different ways to get an X rating, and another one would be like really. Like Clockwork Orange. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that movie is. I have only seen clips and I don't know that I'll ever watch the whole thing. I I won't watch it again. I'm good. It's Um, good. It's a good movie, but. Right. I, yeah. And like, and the other thing I love about this film is because when it's, when it was first released or when it was first, when I first heard of it, it was a, a horror film, a slasher based around the 70s porn industry mm-hmm. and i was like okay is this gonna be gratuitous is this gonna be just tits all over mm-hmm. the place and you know but it really i mean the sex to me is second nature like it's, it's just right. not second nature, but it's just like that okay that's uh, not what that the movie's about over. yeah right it is and it isn't you know right yeah, it's like it's not about seeing boobies it's about sex it's about, as a part of somebody's life you know right right mm-hmm. and i think like and it's interesting because this is a, I'm assuming straight, but a white male director. Mm. And it doesn't feel like, and, uh, you know, this is my own perspective, you know, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't feel like this is female nudity for, for the male lens. Like, it doesn't feel like Baywatch or, you, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so I, I just find that really interesting. And yeah. I'm excited to see where he takes this third one. I am too. And I completely agree with you. And that's kind of like, it's hard to say there's no objectification in this movie because there is, but <laughs> exactly. But it, it, I think it's because there's such explicit consent and there's so much respect that Jackson 
and Wayne and even RJ show for all of the women, like the only woman that he ever really kind of judges is Lorraine, which is a whole nother thing that we've already talked mm -hmm. about. But I think that goes a long way to making it not feel like it's a super heavy ga male gaze movie. You right. Know? Well, because you have the scene where um, it's right after she wipes her back and like throws the towel <laughs> uh -huh. and Oops. Lorraine's like, oh, she's like, sorry, hon. I mean, look, I might be grossed out by that a little bit too. I mean, I would be too, <laughs> right, right. but I also could see where you're just like, okay, I'm done with that. Next. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I don't want to touch it anymore. <laughs> right, right. But then Jack's are just standing in the window, like naked, like, hey oh world. And she's uh -huh. like, stop being, and Brittany Stowe or Bobby Lynn is like, stop being so full of yourself. Like you didn't do it. You didn't do the work. And he's like, I must, he says something. And she like starts to fake an orgasm right uh -huh. in front of him. And then she just laughs at his face. And I was like, that is so, like, yes. Like, mm -hmm. oh, this dude thinks he's the star of the movie. And it's like, let me show right. you that. But she's <laughs> not cruel about it either. It's like no, immediately it's like inside joke. That, she's like, come here, you know? Yeah. They're like, like teasing I'm, each other, kind of. Exactly. I'm really fascinated by their relationship, you know? Like, and I love the moment where she's like, sometimes he's my boyfriend. Just like, just that line delivery is just chef's kiss. But mm. like, you sense that they are together, but that they're not really, that they happen to be together because they're on a trip together and they're like the most like, the most likely fit mm -hmm. but also that like they have a relationship outside of this you know right that they're that they're actually friends i think is really know. what i pick up on more well and, and i also love that bobby lynn again is not just used as if this were made from a male lens bobby lynn would be nothing but naked the whole time uh-huh yep but like there's the scene where they're at the gas station and they're filming mm -hmm. him pumping gas and she's like she gives them the shot she's like right. exactly hey, if you film from this angle, it'll look like he's using his cock. And it's mm -hmm. like, so she's a part of the filmmaking too. She's not just mm -hmm. a body. Exactly. She's reading the script and Wayne mm -hmm. is like actually wanting to know what her opinion of it is, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that. I think that's what set this sets this movie apart is there's such a clear respect for the female characters, both from behind the camera and on screen. Like we mm -hmm. see and hear male characters over and over again showing respect to women, which yeah. I just love. Well, and I, you know, I don't know how the filming process went, but I do know that Brittany Snow has come out and um, talked about the sex scenes, shooting mm -hmm. them. And from an acting standpoint, she hasn't talked about like com comfortability and if there was an mm -hmm. intimacy um, coach on on set. I hope there was. I, I imagine think, there would have to be for a movie like this. You know? Right. It seemed like from, and from her statements, um, you know, she see, she approached everything from an actor from an acting standpoint talking about her character and how it was easy for her because the character had to be was so confident in their body so she had to be confident in her body mm -hmm. which you know she's proud of herself for mm -hmm. um so it seems like i in my head maybe i'm giving this too much grace or too much hope but like in my head i don't think an actor could focus on the acting that much if there wasn't that intimacy person there making mm -hmm. sure those actresses were protected no that's a good point because another one of my favorite moments is when they're in the middle of it and rj's trying to give him directions and you see that her like orgasm face slips and she starts laughing at him then she quickly like goes back into the acting you know that right. moment, like you're right she's like bent over on all fours and uh, probably at least mostly naked and there's a man behind her like you would have to be extremely comfortable 
in right. your environment to to do that you know yeah so yeah. I hope there was, you know, yeah. um, if it, someone knows, let us know, because I'm yeah. really interested to know if that were, was the case. But yeah, do you have any more notes before we get to hot takes? Um, no, I think. I'm, oh, the other thing that I wanted to say, and I don't have a ton to say about it, but I love the kind of juxtaposition of what we find out is Maxine's father, like his um, his news or his evangelical stuff, which is, you know, I'm sure you being in Arkansas is, you know, I hear a lot of that down here in Nashville. Yeah. And yeah. I loved just kind of seeing that, like Maxine uses his line, like, I will not accept a life I don't deserve. And I love just like that reclaiming of that mm-hmm. and making it like, no, this is not going to be an oppressive thing that I'm going to say. This is going to be something that empowers me, which I just, yeah. oh, perfect. It, it is great because as someone in a lot of, you know, in my community where I'm at, mm-hmm. we've had to deal with so much trauma from the church and from Mm -hmm. religious leaders and religious people so yeah it was really nice hearing that reclaiming of Mm -hmm. a term that could be used so toxically you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and has been yeah it has been and so Mm -hmm. yeah no i I really like that too to be honest i thought that um i did like no research walking into pearl and i thought it was going to be about maxine's story with her father before Mm. she leaves the house which i still would love to see and i'm really glad we got pearl but i was like oh wait i thought i thought this was a different story especially (laughs) because i didn't realize mia goth was was pearl was pearl right yeah yeah i i'm really excited to see maxine but i'm i don't know i might trade it for a prequel maxine with one x you know before we get get there right right all right well let's get spicy with some hot takes (laughs) yes jen what's your hot take um well okay i really originally was gonna say i kind of love pearl but I think I've already talked about that a little bit. So here's my hot take for this movie. I love how body confidence is such a huge part of this movie. And this is really, really nitpicky. But every woman featured on screen, everybody in this movie is very slim. And I, which I get, it was the 70s in the porn industry. And there's a lot of cocaine flying around. But I would have loved to see maybe a little bit more curves, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. That's my only nitpick, and it's like the smallest of it's like a millimeter of nitpick, but yeah, but yeah, it's my hot take. It's it's very like pause age positive, I feel like, but mm-hmm. and body confident. Yeah. Exactly, but it's not super uh, conscious of other body types. Yeah, that's that's fair. That is mm-hmm. that is fair. So <laughs> my <laughs> yeah. hot take is going to be readdressing my issue with a previous film that we've covered. <laughs> Um, and you can cover me if you want, world. Here it is. This is the film I want Texas Chainsaw Massacre to be. Toby Hooper, be damned. <laughs> Do you not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I hate that movie. <laughs> oh, wow. And I don't like the sequel. Oh, I've just learned sequel. that Toby, Toby Hooper has done one film I enjoyed, and that was... Poltergeist. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. I love that I movie. I didn't like Salem's Lot, the original. I didn't mm-hmm. like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I didn't like Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. If there's another one out there, y'all, that I need to watch, <laughs> I'm open. I'm just like three I'm just for four that I didn't like one. at this point. Yeah, maybe there's a pattern there, you know. <laughs> you I know? cannot stand Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Like, there's mm. that, it just turns my stomach. Um, yeah. I like the discussion about it because I think Stretch is an interesting character, but I I, I don't know, know what I would do to get out of watching that movie. 
scene you know where she's on the cooler and he's like rubbing the chainsaw mm-hmm. on it, it, it that I just Ugh. I can't. My thing with that movie, and I think this is why I love like why I love this movie, and I don't love that movie. Mm-hmm. This movie takes its themes and makes it a react, like takes its themes and uses it. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, Texas, it's so smart. It's about can it's about meat eating and it's about the Vietnam War and it's about this and it's about that and I'm like okay meat eating I get because they're cannibals mm-hmm. sure yeah. that's pretty not very subtle Toby Hooper but okay but like Viet Vietnam uh-huh. where did oh where was I supposed to get Vietnam right and right like, yeah I well in the economy and it's like I can see it but I have to really dig for it you know I have grown to really love Texas Chainsaw Massacre but it took me a long time because like there's just a lot of like really I don't know there's some triggers in there that I was really avoiding for a long time skinlessness is a big thing for me so like him wearing a mask of people's faces just freaked me out I love right. it now what I really love I think is the is Sally as a final girl but but I agree with you I think this movie X really takes the same kind of feel and the same kind of things. And I don't know if I would say it elevates it, but it does its own thing. And it feels like it continues this conversation that we're having about like Texas in, in the seventies, you know, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy it. And I think it's the rare movie that can really make a, a statement that I find really impactful without feeling like it's beating me over the head with it. You I, know? I 100% agree. And I actually genuinely, even the killers, I like every character uh-huh. in this film. Mm-hmm. I hate every character in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Sally's the only one that I'm like, I kinda no. Oh, uh, okay, mm-hmm. now you're screaming for 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> like Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I just I can't I cannot right now anyway, maybe I'll work through my problems. But like <laughs> I can't forgive it for its depiction of people with disabilities. I mm-hmm. yeah. That that is, it's just. Now the remake of Texas Chainsaw, I actually do enjoy. Oh, I like that a lot too. Yeah, but yeah, this I wish to I wish Toby Hooper would have talked to Ty West a little bit. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) really silly thing to say. No, no, no. I know what you mean, though. And it's interesting to look at this as a parallel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too, in the same way that I think, like, a lot of people pointed out Pearl is, like, parallel to The Wizard of Oz. In 100%. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Which I love. That's a whole other conversation. But, like, just looking at kind of him, uh, Ty West, putting his own stamp on this kind of genre of movie. Mm-hmm. And, and to make, like, I don't know if I would call it a remake, but like to make a movie that is similar to Texas Chainsaw Massacre without remaking it and without feeling right. like you're doing the exact same thing, you know? Right, right. Yeah, it just feels really new and fresh and original, but to be kind of sourced from something really old, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's why I just, I, oh, I love this movie. Oh, I, I do it. too. I can't believe that it's this year, actually. It feels like a long time ago. And I mean, I think it was January or maybe it March. It was because Scream 2 came, or Scream 2022 came out first. Mm-hmm. The Jenna Ortega uh, oh, yeah. timeline. Scream, Scream came out first, and that was January. And I think uh-huh. this was either the very end of January. Here, I can look. It's right. I've got IMD pulled up. Okay. Why don't I just look at it? <laughs> <laughs> um, when were you released? I know I remember hearing about it at South by Southwest, and I was really mad because I couldn't go. March, March 26th. Is oh, that okay. right? 
That's a date I see on the IMDb website. I don't know if that's true. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I could just. Well, that would make sense because isn't South by Southwest in the summer? Yeah, yeah. So and maybe that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Hey, have you seen the Fallout with Jen Ortega? No. It's not horror. I mean, I could make an argument that it might be horror. It's about um, a teenager who survives a school shooting and just like the fallout of that. It's really right. good and she's great in it. So she if you're is, a fan of hers, I would check it I, out. I, I have quickly became a fan of hers. So Same here. I and I'm so excited for Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, another side note, I have thought that show was coming out like every Wednesday for the past like month <laughs> because people just keep talking about Wednesday, Wednesday and like Wednesday and that picture Next looks Wednesday? the the pic the ad like the stills I've seen from it look incredible. Oh, I know I'm so excited. Yeah, she is. She's a new new generation of Squim Kate. And you know what, Brittany Snow, I'm glad she's back in the horror game too. You know, yeah, because we haven't seen her back in there since uh, True Blood. Oh yeah, you're which right. This character totally reminded me of her. It was the accent, really. Totally. Like, that Texas accent on Britney Oh my Snow. god! And that's one more thing. Like as a Southerner, I can smell a fake Southern accent a Hers mile away. Her, mm -hmm. Britney Snow. I don't, I'm gonna see where Britney Snow. Where is she from? She's got to be from the South. Britney, I can see that. She Britney Ann like, Snow. She's from the South. Oh yeah. She began <laughs> her career as Susan. I mean, I feel like just the name Britney kind of tells. <laughs> Really right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this doesn't say where she grew up. Come on, IMDb. She lives in LA now. That doesn't tell me anything. No. She graduated from Tampa. Eh, that's Florida South. I'm just gonna say she is. If, so, if y'all know where Britney Snow grew up, let me know. But I am almost. She's got to be. There's. No I think way. we can adopt her. If not, if not if she's, she's a. She's an honorary Southerner. <laughs> there you go. Right, one of the good ones. And then that. Okay, sorry. I got. Thing because I love seeing Martin Henderson. I had such a huge crush on him in the ring, and he hasn't done that much that I've seen recently. So mm -hmm. just seeing him pop up in this kind of fatherly role, but not being a dick, loved it. Right. Yeah, he's a very attractive man, and seeing him in his mm -hmm. oh my rom com. He okay, he's in Virgin River on Netflix. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> my my cheese ball came out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it like, happened from something else too. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is our thoughts on X. Thank you so much, Jen, for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much. I feel like I could talk about this movie for hours. So oh, it was I such a pleasure. On, talk about oh, Carl. Yeah. Talk about my hopes for Maxine. Uh huh. I was so excited. But yeah. yes, we'll have to have you back on sometime. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, next week, we'll be covering Bodies, Bodies, Bodies with Horror Queers. Yes. And that will continue our look back to films made this year. I haven't seen Bodies, Bodies, Bodies yet. I, I am so excited because that's been one of the ones I'm like, I have to see the movie. But now that I know we're covering it, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait. Right, make, right. My, yeah. Make it a first time view and like mm -hmm. go with it from there. But I am so excited. But yes. yes, that will continue our time in 2022. Again, thank you, Jen. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, make sure you stay fierce out there. <laughs> Bye. Bye.